0: Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we hope you join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We are located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After the message, take a moment and visit our website at vcctulare.com. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are just racing through John 14. We're in verse two today. John says that I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, uh, there's a safe place for you, and all you have to do is believe. And we start to really think about. Uh, he talks about how there's just so many rooms there, and uh, King James actually uses the the metaphor mansions, and the NIV says rooms, and and it almost overwhelms us to a point when you start thinking about that's a lot of rooms. Man, the cleaning career, I, you know. But, you know, we get to the point where we start to understand the Word of God. We start reading Genesis 1 and 2, and we start to, to really understand that He created the whole world. Then it puts it in perspective. It's not that big of a job to prepare a place for us, a safe place for us. Especially once we understand that He created everything. Then we know he can and is doing this, preparing a safe and permanent place for us, a place that's, that's with him, a place where, where we don't cry about our hurts, a place where, where we have no, uh, no pain, a place where we can't be hurt. And, and the past becomes just that, the past. Wouldn't you love that? The past is just kind of the past. A place where eternity is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just an awesome picture that he gives us. But it's more than a picture, it's a reality for those that believe in him. And it's, and it's full of saints that have already gone before us. And, and you know, we'll be in line like, like everybody else up in heaven. Well, what line are you in? Well, I, I'm in the line to meet the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Good luck, that's a 10,000 year line. You know, it's, they got the little Disney clock like Disneyland, this long till you get there. Or or maybe the Lord will work it out where we can all talk at the same time. I mean, he's an amazing thing. You know, it'd be like one of our staff meetings. Everybody's just talking all at once. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going, but I'm also coming back. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. And so many people, uh, you know, just commented on last week's study about their heart and, and how the Lord spoke to them and the Lord speaking to them about, you know, the this, saying, this I need to let go. I need to not allow myself to be troubled by that anymore. I just need to give it over to Him. And it was very specific, and I love it when the Holy Spirit does that. I love it when the Holy Spirit talks to, to multiple people multiple times about multiple different situations. And that's our God. He's a big God. He is totally a huge God. And he says, believe. And in verse 4, he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Don't you guys know? You, you know. And in verse 5, <laughs> Thomas, <laughs> he's like, Lord, um, no, wait a second, Lord, Lord, I got my hand up here. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And what's so cool about Thomas here, he doesn't say, I don't know. He just flat out says, We don't know. Lord, we don't have a clue about what you're saying here at this point. Lord, I don't get it, and they don't get it. And I'm sure the Lord kind of looks around as a teacher does. You remember back to your high school age? You know, for some of us, that's really close. For others, well, okay, anyway. (laughs) And the teacher looks around, and it's been teaching on the same subject all semester. And final times are coming up, and he asks the students, okay, guys, any questions? And there's always somebody sitting there thinking, oh, somebody, please raise their hand. I don't get it, but I don't want to raise my hand. Well, Thomas does that. The Lord looks over at Matthew. I can imagine him saying, Matthew, do you get it? Yep, Lord. You're talking about where you're going and how you're going, and we're going to be going. You understand that? Yep. It says, you know, say it in your own words. Well, you're... You, you're going where you're going, and the way you're going, we know. We know where you're going. James, how about you? Do you understand? Yep. You understand what I've been saying to you the past three and a half years. Well, you're talking about where you're going and, and, and the way you're going, and we can't go, especially Peter. <laughs> Jesus answers to Thomas. In the real, original language, it says, Jesus answered to him. To him. Thomas asks the question, so the other guys are just kind of tagging along in the conversation. He answers to Thomas and he says, I am the way. But Lord, we, we don't know the way. Okay, well, here's your answer. You won't get it right now. You know what, what Thomas is really saying is we don't have a map. You're, you're going somewhere, but you haven't given us a physical map. Are, are you going up to Galilee? Are you going down to, you know, are you going out to the Judean desert? We're, we're, we don't have the physical map. Our, we didn't buy the upgraded donkey with the GPS. We don't know the way. So his answer is, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, do you remember in school when you, when you ask a question and the answer didn't make any sense this is what's happening here. And praise the Lord they, they wrote it down because, you know, John wrote this down many years after this happened. And he sat with this thing his whole life. And it's like just now when he's writing this down, he's just really realizing what was Jesus doing here. You know, we said, show us the way. But we thought it was, you know, we thought the way was, was like a noun, but we didn't realize it was like a proper noun, it's a person. The way is Jesus. He says, You know, you understand that, Matthew. Sure, Lord, I get it. You use small words this time. I, I get that one. But I don't think they really got it completely. Just as many of us as we go through life, so we, you know, we, or as we go through life, we don't always get it. Maybe later on we start to, to realize it. They've been with Jesus for three and a half years and they're still not getting it completely. And I love it when the Lord teaches us something that we thought we already knew. You know what I mean? You think you figured something out, and the Lord comes along later in life and goes, no, you've been wrong for like 20 years, Alan. You know, when a teacher sees a child, (laughs) you've been teaching it for a long time, or maybe a mom sees a, a child, or a dad sees a child, and it just clicks in their head, then you're like, they just got it. This is what's happening here. I am the way and the truth and the life. Do you remember way back in the beginning of John as we were studying, we were writing down all the I am's and almost every chapter there's a point where he says I am and he says something else. I am the bread, I am the water. Before Abraham was, I am. And now in one sentence, he basically gives us three I am's to to really just chew on. You know, the, the Lord's just totally giving them a ton of stuff to cram on right before the final. And, and, and just in a few hours, it begins They're in a sense, their final in life. I, I don't want to, you know, use the school analogy too much here. But it's like they're fixing to get to this point in life where they're, they're really going to go through this test. And they have no clue they're going to be going through it. And Jesus is really just kind of giving them the review. And it's like all term, they haven't been listening. They have, but they, they kind of haven't. I am the way. You know, there's going to be times in your life when you feel like you're out there in a jungle and you're going to be hacking away at that jungle as best as you can and your blade is starting to get dull because you've traveled a long way in that jungle and you're getting older and your back is starting to hurt, and you know, and, and finally, it just all falls apart. And when you get to a point and say, you say, "There is no way through this jungle." And you look around, and you are going, there, "I'm off the path. I don't even, I don't even see a path." That's why I'm hacking my way through the jungle. There is no path. And in desperation, you say, "There is no way." And basically, you just plop down in the middle of the jungle. Night is falling, and and you know you need to get to safety, and you say. I don't know the way. And you throw out a prayer. Lord, can you just part this jungle like you did the Red Sea? That's what I need at this point. Lord, show me the way. Lord, I need to make a decision. I'm trying to you know, decide on this relationship or, or that relationship. I'm trying to decide on whether I should go with this job. Lord, are you there? Are you out there? Everything I've done for you, Lord... Where are you, Lord? Hello? Hello? And he says, I'm right here. You don't have to shout. What? Well, I'm really frustrated right now, Lord, to be this far along in life. And and I thought it was going the right way, and I realized it wasn't going the right way, so I turned around and I got back to this point, and I'm still lost. Where's the way? Where's the map, Lord? They gave me a Bible, you know, it's around here somewhere. Let me go dig it off the shelf. Let me go dig it off my pile. They said it was the road map, and I don't get it. Where does it say, should I take this job or that job? Where does it say that? I read like seven pages and, and didn't find a single thing. Jesus says, well, the Bible wasn't the way. The Bible isn't the way. The Bible is the way to the way. The Bible is what points toward Jesus, because He is the way. And I don't understand the way to the way. It's dangerous out here, Lord. It's stressful here, Lord. Can I get a little help? Can you shorten this time period down a little bit, you know? Or maybe something we could, you know, understand a little bit easier. So you are the way, Lord. Yes, You, yourself, you are the way. Yes, the only way. Yep, I am the way. Or maybe you go, my life isn't a jungle at all. My life is like the desert. I can go this way, I can go that way, I can go that way, and I can go that way, and there's just sand everywhere. And I turn around, and the only thing I see are footsteps, and they kind of get blown away with the wind in the desert. The sun's burning down on me, and I'm out of water, and I'm really thirsty. See, when I was younger, things were no big deal. I would figure out eternity later on. I would just deal with those godly things when when I get to a point in my life where, you know, it's time to think about that. But I'm finally admitting I can't get out by myself. Many people actually live the proverb that says, and it's Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. I've actually walked down this path, Alan, and it's leading to my death. And I turned around, and I finally realized I haven't made any progress whatsoever. The only landmarks I see are the footprints. And Jesus says, I am the way. Have you ever been so not satisfied with an answer from somebody a lot of people, a lot of us have been not satisfied with that answer because that's a short-term, you know, we're looking for the short-term answer. That's the long-term answer. The long-term answer is, I am the way, live in me, abide in me, do those things that you, so you become more like me. But the short answer is what? Get me out of the situation. Help me today. Get me out of this immediate situation. That's the short-term answer. And that's the one we're satisfied with but this other answer we dismiss it because life is just so busy and Jesus says I am the way I am the way to do things I am the way to operate I am the way to function in life I'm the way to what I'm the way to make a decision Lord I am um, Lord I, I want um, Lord uh, what should I do here Lord I, I need some advice you know what I'm gonna do Lord I'm going to set an appointment with the pastor. Pastor, what should I do? And many times as, as I start to mature in the faith, many times I start to realize, I don't need to tell people what to do. I need to point them toward the way. I don't know what you, I don't know what you should do in this situation. I've got a couple of recommendations, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what to do. I'll pray with you about that. I'll help you sort out the options. And I would advise people not to do anything until they go to the Lord. See, because if it's an important enough decision to seek out the pastor, then it's an important enough decision to seek the Lord. You need to spend time before God with the questions that you have. Any good Bible study leader, any good you know, disciple, any mature Christian will not tell you what to do. Now, there's certain times when you need somebody to say, do this. That's what parents do to a two-year-old. And they still argue. Why? 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 Because I'm mom. I'm dad. That's why. Because if you try to explain it to them, they won't even understand. But most of the time, we need to point people to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way to do everything. I'm the way to think about everything. And not only am I the way, I am the truth. I am the truth. I am the. What does that imply? It's singular. The. The truth and it means that anything that disagrees with what Jesus said or did is a lie or it's lies see the Lord is is really narrow on some things you're the truth come on Jesus I mean you're getting crucified tomorrow it'll be pretty intense and he's going no 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 guys I've been saying this all along you're just starting to pick up on what it means I am the truth I am the truth and that's why it's so important for us to open our Bibles. Because we've got to study those red letters. And, and most of you understand what I say when I say red letters. You can buy Bibles and every word that Jesus said is in red. And those, you know, the, the Bible is just phenomenal. But those red letters are just so potent. And I'm trying to figure out, how can I explain this? How can I explain the potency of, of this? And, and well, I, I, this happened in my house this, this week, so I had to bring it up. My wife got some like daffodils and some other type of flowers from a friend. They were out uh, at another friend's house and they picked some and they brought them over. And I walked in the house. I, I, these things were potent. I, I smelled them from coming in from the garage. And I came in, I'm like, what is that smell? And she's like, flowers? <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. You know. Then my wife starts cooking fish for dinner and you could still smell the flowers even though the fish was cooking that's how potent these flowers were and then she started cooking enchiladas now I eat really good at home okay now she was freezing some of them but she starts to cook the onions and she's over there crying and I'm wondering is it the flowers or the onions I don't have a clue and then she boiled the chicken and that just even brings out a smell and she's over there crying, and she goes, can you cut up the chicken? And I'm like boxed in. I, you know, there's, I, there's no way to get out of it. Had no choice. And then she's making the enchilada sauce, and it has a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, and my mind just went blank, you know, a lot of chili sauce, and a lot, you know, a lot of potent smells in there. And you know what? You could still smell the flowers. Those flowers were potent. They're like the words of Jesus. And when you really need them, When you really try to understand, they become potent in your life. They will overwhelm anything else that, dare I say the word, stinks. Don't associate that to my wife's cooking, no. (laughs) But I'm just saying when life just is terrible and really stinks, his words will overwhelm anything. When you think that there's no way I can understand it all, guess what, you're in the same boat I am. You're right. You're never going to be able to understand it all. That's the maturing process that he puts us through. But there, there are things that I won't understand until I get to heaven. And then Jesus will say, well, you had that all wrong. And I'll be like, oh, man. Sometimes the hardest part to understand are the red letters. When we come to Jesus like a child, and you look at everything he says, you start to study it. How crazy would it be for us to be called followers of Christ? To say, I'm a believer. I was baptized. I, I want to follow God and never read the words that he wrote? How crazy would that be? Now, don't, you know, some of you might go, <laughs> go home this afternoon, get out the Bible. I got to do it. The uh, pastor made me feel bad. I'm going to do this all in one afternoon. I'm not saying that. I'm saying study what he has to say, study about what you should, how you should live your life and what standards you have. What Jesus said and did. Because John says, if, if they, or I, I think it was John, but somebody one of the other disciples might have said, it said it, if they wrote down all of the words that Jesus said, it would fill all the books in the world. But they did write these things down. They encapsulate who he was and what he did. And, and it says, the word says, study to show yourself approved. It is so important for us to know what Jesus says. But let me warn you one thing about this. When you study what he says, and I don't mean just quickly read through it, but actually study it, you'll start to understand when he says, I am the truth. That means anything that disagrees with what he says is a lie. A lie. Lord, well, that sounds really, really narrow. And what would Jesus say to that? It is narrow. I told you guys it was a narrow path. But, but Lord, we, we don't do narrow nowadays. I mean, we, we like things all broad in this day and age. We like, I mean, we, we want to be tolerant. And he gets a, I can imagine him getting a smirk on his face and saying, yeah, you got it all figured out, don't you? It's working out really you know, really nice for you. But Lord, it is narrow. And he says that in every situation, narrow is good. Especially, you know, when you, you, you get down to life or death situations. Well, what do you mean? Well, you like your doctors to be narrow, don't you? Or do you like it to be broad? You like it when they run tests and they say, what? We're going to narrow it down. We like it when they get it narrowed down, but, but we're also afraid. Mr. Orr, could you, could you come in? I want to tell you the results of the test. I want to tell you what? The truth. They're right here. And we like that. We like the truth. How about a pharmacist? Well, let me see that prescription. Oh, I got a whole bunch of yellow pills in last week. I mean, we're just overloaded. Let me just give you those. No, we want our pharmacists to be narrow. When I was in high school, my senior year of high school, I I tell you, I mean, the Lord's taken me through a lot of routes, and, and I've had a blast, a lot of things. But my senior year of high school, I worked as a student surgical assistant. Uh, we had a health occupations program in Texas, so literally every every uh, day I would get up, you know, at four in the morning, and be at work by about four twenty, four thirty, depending on yeah. And then I'd work till ten o'clock. So I would go and help patients. I would go get them, you know, bring them down to surgery. I'd clean the surgical rooms. And every so often, doctors would say, "Well, why don't you scrub in?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, let me do that." Well, back in 1989, I shouldn't have said that. Um, back in high school. There was a lot of exploratory surgeries. It'd be on the board, exploratory surgery. Why? They couldn't narrow it down. The technology wasn't as good as it is today. Today there's not as many exploratory surgeries. They still have some, but they kind of have an idea of what they're going in for. Because technology has changed. We like it when it's narrowed down. Narrow is good. And we could go on with this forever with so many different examples. I mean, I like it when my pilot is narrow, don't you? well, I don't need the runway. I'll land in the trees today. I don't need to find Hawaii. I mean, I kind of know where it's at. We'll just fly around out there and and find it. I don't need the coordinates. I love it when the pilot of my plane is narrow. Broad-minded, that's for something else. I mean, broad-minded is for 31 flavors. Or a buffet. Broad is for stuff that doesn't matter at all. Narrow is for everything that is life and death. I challenge you to find one thing about life and death that isn't narrow, and I'll just shut up. Probably going to get a couple emails this week on that one. Found one. So why are we so offended when God comes and says, this is the truth? There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. I'm sorry about that. There are parts of that that I don't like. Why? Because I like to be right. Right? don't you there's a way that seems right to man but in the end it leads to death he says i am the way i am the truth and then he says no one comes to the father except through me and as if he has never said this before he'll say it again i am the way guys i am the door i am the gate not i will show you the way not I will tell you the truth. Now, those, both of those are true. But it's beyond that. See, the baseline of everything is truth. Therefore, he will never lie to us. And this is what's so cool about Jesus. First of all, he tells us the truth. Secondly, he usually gets to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't take a long time to do it. Especially when he decides to tell them. I mean, remember, three and a half years he spent with them. These are his closest friends. And he loved them. He, he laughed with them. He spent time with them. He went through storms with them. And he's fixing to die for them. And before I do this thing, I want you to know that I am the way. And you know what's sad about Christians today? They've learned to take this great truth and use it as a club. They've learned to go to street corners or wherever else and say, I learned in, in John 14 and the pastor said that Jesus is the way and Jesus is the only way. So, so you can take your Buddha and you can... We use it as a club. See, Jesus, he waits for three years and tells his very best friends on earth after he's loved them. You see, his, his entire ministry was about grace and mercy and truth and it was so effective in the way he used it because he built relationships he didn't go out on the street corner now there were times when he challenged people don't get me wrong there are times when you need to stand up and say i know the truth let me challenge you but he built relationships it was so effect, you know effective that prostitutes were inviting him over for dinner and not because they wanted to get paid because they wanted to know the truth Tax collectors, and and we don't have any clue the stigma that that was put on tax collectors. I the closest thing I could think of is terrorist. Terrorist inviting you over and you going over to tell them the truth. That's the kind of stigma that was on the tax collectors. And they were saying, Will you come to dinner and bring it? Go ahead and bring your disciples. I want to know the truth. The church has been so impatient. To conquer the world for Christ, that they've run over those whom Jesus would have been invited over to their house for dinner. See, Jesus is the epitome of mercy and grace. He is the one that came to seek and save the lost. He is the one that said, I am not willing that any should perish. He is the one that said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And I want you to know that after all the work, I am the way, and you need to accept that. I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. See, true life begins in Him. This is not the life. Man, if this was the life, we're so frazzled. We're so just weary. This is not the life. Jesus is the life. See, in John 10, he told us that, that he came to give us abundant life. And ever since that, I, you know, I've learned that, that I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. And ever so often, he gives me that picture of what abundant life is. And he, he puts a little bit of that abundant life into my life. Hebrews talks about rest. Matthew talks about rest. And it takes Jesus for us to actually enter into that rest. See, the flesh, it cannot lead us to rest. The flesh can't lead us into what Jesus has for us. I am the life. you got to read 1 John, man. If you get a chance, it's all about light and life. And I'm looking at the clock, and I'm getting out of time today. But I do want to talk a second about giving ourselves over to that life. Because we're going to have something special to end with today. Azariah, Gerald's, and... Uh, Russell, Jenkins, they're both going to be baptized today. And that takes a person, and it's such a blessing when it happens at a young age, to say, you know what? My life, that's what it should be about. I recognize the truth. I recognize the light in my life. Do you know the other day, uh, Azariah was totally witnessing to a friend of his He's like, do you want to know about Jesus? His friends are like, yep. Well, let me tell you. I'm like, dude, man, this kid is going to just... When's the last time somebody asked you to tell them about Jesus? When's the last time you asked somebody, do you want to hear about Jesus? Do you want to hear what Jesus did in my life? Because my life was terrible. My life is terrible before Christ. Let me tell you the way of destruction. That's man's way. But then let me tell you about the way of life. That's Jesus Christ. To be able to say, let me tell you about the way, the truth, and the life. But it starts with loving them first. That's what it starts with. Because without love of Jesus, the truth will just be ignored. The truth will totally be ignored. So what we're going to do is give us about ten minutes. We're going to clear the stage. And then we'll ask you to come on up. And we're just going to get up here as a family and baptize these two kids. It's just going to be, I mean, it's just, just what a blessing it is. So let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you are the light of this world. We're so thankful that you are the life of this world. We're so thankful that you loved us enough to come down to this earth and live like us. Go through these terrible things that you went through. Experience life at, at its worst and die for us on the cross. But the greatest part of that story, Lord, is you rose from the grave and you gave us eternal life. All we have to do is believe. We thank you for these two young men. And we pray that we step up, uh, that we step up to the plate, that we take that responsibility to raise him in the way that you would want them to be raised. That we support the parents, that we support the family as they raise them. And as we're all one family, that we're just the greatest example to these two young men. That they mature in the faith. That they never forget how to say, let me tell you about the one who saved me. May we look at them, Lord, and be reminded of of how great your love is for us. How great your life was and is for us. That it might encourage us to go out and say, do you want to hear about my Lord and Savior? Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine down upon you so you reflect him in this life. That others may ask you, why do you have such peace in your life? May his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.